You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. Uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. It's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? <laughs> Sounds like you've had too many. You can't somebody even crack me, your beer open properly. Dude, somebody asked me the other day, they said, uh, Shane, did you quit drinking? You know, I don't hear the cans anymore. And I said, nope, just got better deal on bottles, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bargain shopper, Mike. I got you. Nothing wrong with that. Well, speaking of bargain hunting, Shane, you see old Quentin Williams? You know, he could have used some of his upcoming money from his first contract with the Jets. I know he hadn't signed it yet, but I'm sure he got some advertising money. And uh, But he did finally sign his first NFL contract, reported up there in New York, and they asked him about staying in shape. Do you see what he had to say, Shane? <laughs> no, what did he say? He's training with them YouTube videos. <laughs> Were you working with one of those D-line coaches like Chuck Smith or anybody like that down south? Uh, no, sir. So I was working out at uh, University of Alabama and University of Georgia Tech mostly. So the different guys on um, the defense line coach at Alabama, defense line coach at Georgia Tech, I worked out with. But a lot of guys, I just uh, I just worked out on my own. Uh, not really much I can do. Like I can YouTube everything. I don't really have to go pay a, you know what I'm saying? A superstar, a superstar, like like a super like a super performance dude. I can just YouTube and just do it because you're gonna go on the field by yourself. You can't take the performance coach with you so I just YouTube a lot uh, I did a lot of stuff that we do here over and over I did a lot of conditioning or oh, I ran track a lot because I seen uh, Deshaun Jackson running track all the time so I got me some track cleats and started running track all the time so it got me great great shape for the I had did a conditioning test so it got me great shape for it <laughs> tubers man who needs who needs a trainer when you got YouTube buddy gosh and I'm just disappointed that this guy did not get an opportunity to get in front of the microphones more often at Tuscaloosa. I had no idea what a character he was, and I feel like we've missed out on some gold down there the last couple of years in at Alabama. He's like me, man. He said he saw, what did he say, Deshaun Jackson running track, so he went out and bought him some track shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he is me, man. That is me right there. I got. I, I went out and got some track shoes, Mike. You know, I don't know what I'm doing out there, but I'm just going to run faster. I think. Yeah, definitely. You <laughs> get them shoes. So that's that's all you really need. You go. You can be the next Deshaun Jackson for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of learning something new, Shane, Baker Mayfield 
Cleveland quarterback. Of course, he played at Oklahoma, so we don't talk much about him, Shane. But this is somewhat SEC-related because during the most recent training camp press conference there, Baker was asked, what did he learn the most in college? I thought we had to share this. What was the most important lesson you learned in college preparing you for the pros? Don't run from the cops. Dixon Street will get you, Shane. <laughs> for anyone that, you know, we've probably all seen the video. If you've not seen the video, Baker Mayfield getting tackled by, I believe it was Fayetteville police there. So this this actually happened in Arkansas, Fayetteville, on near campus there. And, uh, <laughs> at least he can joke about it. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome, man. And it sucks because I'm I'm a huge, as you know, huge Hard Knocks fan, but they missed it by a year. Man, it would be so awesome to be up there right now with OBJ and mm-hmm. and, and Baker and all the characters they got there at Cleveland. It, I mean, it's going to be electric. Of course, you know, we got our boy over here in uh, Raider Nation, you know, see if he's going to have any Tennessee hot fours coming out. Yeah, and they actually have a trailer for that one, Shane. Should we play that one? Yeah. Let's go ahead and get people pumped up. It's football time. Everybody right now has dreams, don't they, guys? I said it to the rookies. All right, everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. You guys with me on that? You got to end somebody's dream. You got to take their job. You got to take their heart. Are you you guys clear about this NFL now? We're not trying to go to the Peach Bowl. We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl or the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl, okay? And to do that, you got to really try to end somebody's dreams. Are you clear on that, Farrell? Okay, I mean that now. So get into that. All right, Shane, if that does not get you fired <laughs> up for the upcoming football season, nothing will. John Gruden, the white whale of the Tennessee fan base. I, I know it didn't work out there for <laughs> Gruden getting back on Rocky Top, but uh, when I hear these comments, I still I still root for old Gruden. He still got me pumped up, Mike. I can run <laughs> through a brick wall, man. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. I'm so pumped, man. All right, Shane, speaking of that, though, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around the league. Around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. No, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's gonna be a street fight. This game's gonna be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully, you do. Um, and you go back to it, man. This isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane. Let's start in Gainesville because, of course, the Gators are the only one that are in training camp right now. They got the week zero game, so they got to start off a little early. But the Gators have hit the practice field, I believe, by the time people have heard this, uh, already twice now, I want to say, and not a whole lot to glean because the first days, you know, they're not in pads. They're just kind of running through things. But 
reports out of Gainesville, looks like the offensive line coming together nicely, so that's good. But the biggest takeaway, of course, when these guys hit the field is there's not a ton to learn aside from just how they look. And one guy that really jumped out to me, Shane, Ethan White, the true freshman offensive lineman. you got to credit Nick Savage, the head strength coach down there in Florida. And for anyone that's not seen these photos, we'll, we'll post them on the Reddit page. But Ethan White, before he got to Florida, looked like uh, Shane or I in a football jersey. And now, after a summer working with Nick Savage, he looks like kind of like a small version of The Rock. Um, what was your thoughts, Shay, when you saw these photos? Where do I sign up, Mike? You know, <laughs> if I could, if I could shed them lbs that quick in a one off season, yeah, I'm a I'm a Savage fan. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And you know that seemed to be something that uh, you know all the media that was down there in Gainesville had. You know, they were all buzzing about how the players looked. A year two, obviously under Dan Mullen. Year two under Nick Savage and Damian Pierce. The running back, Shane, it looks like he's transformed his body. He was asked specifically about strength coach Nick Savage and the work they put in this offseason uh, because, uh, you know, that that's basically what we have to go on at this point after only uh, two days of practice. Let's jump to what Damian Pierce had to say about Coach Savage. Your body, Coach Savage. Coach Savage will be in shape for you, most definitely. <laughs> Do you feel a difference in terms of running and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, man, I feel, you know, I feel a whole lot more agile in terms of, you know, making cuts, you know. You know, seeing holes and everything, but overall, Coach Coach Haver did a great job. You know, getting us prepared for this fall. You know, moving toward toward season. How does he go about like replacing the fat with muscle? I mean, what, what's his strategy? I mean, is it a big? Is it very focused on the diet or lifestyle, you know, or is it just busting your tail? All three, honestly, it's all three. You hit it on the head, man. But like. Coach Abbey, he's gonna make he gonna make sure you get the most out of every workout. And if it's not up to our standard, we're gonna do it again. And our standard is a high, a high intensity workout, you know, everything full speed. And you know, after doing that for six months, you you gonna you're gonna see a difference in your body, man. You heard it there, Shane. I mean, Coach Savage, all these strength coaches get talked up at every fan base, understandably. You know, the new the mm -hmm. new strength coach is always better than the last one. We're going we're gonna to yeah. lift them weights harder and faster. But <laughs> down in Gainesville, I mean, it's it's really paying off. And, uh, I mean, it's clear just by looking at some of these guys. And, and knock on wood, no injuries, you know. Mm -hmm. You're always worried about that, especially if they did train really hard in the offseason. But I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people don't realize just how important a strength and conditioning coach is because they are the contact during the summer. So, you know, a lot of times when you look at team chemistry, when you look at team development, it all starts with that strength and conditioning coach. And I've heard nothing but good things from Savage, man. Yeah, and, you know, that's obviously got to give Florida fans a lot of hope for this upcoming season. So maybe some of these guys that, you know, Dan Mullen obviously got a ton out of these his players last season, but he's still got a, some upperclassmen that have yet to reach their full potential. And uh, you mm -hmm. got to think year two, they're going to take another big step in that right direction. Yeah, for sure. Now, the only other thing we have here from Gainesville, Shane, Kelvin Joseph, the LSU defensive back who's in the transfer portal, was in Gainesville over the weekend. They had their big Friday night lights recruiting weekend, and they got an LSU DB down there, Shane. And, you know, I just think this is kind of where we're at in college football right now, but 
so this guy posts, Kelvin Joseph, he posts a photo of himself in all Gators gear down there on the practice field or in the facility, and his Twitter avatar is him all in LSU gear. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez. Come on, guys. So he can still go back to LSU. I mean, just because you get in the portal. But, I mean, it's pretty clear he's evaluating his options here, Shane. So uh, it, it is also funny. I When I tweeted this out, jumping from one DBU to another, I got LSU fans coming at me saying, there's only one DBU. I got Florida fans saying, you're damn right. There is only one DBU. It's in Gainesville. <laughs> like. <laughs> If you you both claim it, I'm going to say you're both DBU. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't really trash either one for not being DBU. They've both produced so many elite college and NFL defensive backs. But, uh, I mean, this is just going to add some fuel to the fire if Joseph just uh, does jump ship to the Gators. Well, Mike, there can only be one punter you, and you know where that's at, don't you, buddy? <laughs> well, Texas A&M would also they, – they claim that as well. So, I mean, it just doesn't seem – ESPN's running articles for the 10 U's. You know, they even did yeah. running back U. They didn't include Georgia. So, apparently you can have more than one. I don't believe in having 10, but uh, I'm, I'm, fine with, no. I'm fine with two teams kind of sharing the title. Yeah, no, and they do put talent in the league, which is important, you know. But, you know, the one thing that, that stood out, though, is just this cat up there with his LSU avatar still, you know, <laughs> claiming that he's having a blast up in Gainesville. He reminds me a lot of that Mississippi State commit. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> the one they had over this weekend? Yeah, so the number one junior college receiver in the nation, Malik Heath, he signed with Mississippi State out of high school. Obviously didn't qualify, had to go to junior college, but he recommitted to the Bulldogs. But he said he he said he's 100% committed, but he's keeping his options open. <laughs> like I don't even know what that means. Like why why are you even saying anything if that's the case? You know? Oh, I know, man. Hey, hey, honey, we're married, but if she wants my number, I'm giving it to her. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump to Tuscaloosa. Roll time! Alabama got a little bit of bad news heading into training camp here. <laughs> this, I'm going to struggle with this name here. Iambe Anoma, their former five-star linebacker from Maryland, uh, the number four overall prospect in the nation in the 2018 recruiting cycle who played in a number of games last season. He is not enrolled in class there in Tuscaloosa. He's jumped in the transfer portal it sounds like he's going to, you know, he was recruited to Alabama by Mike Loxley, the former offensive coordinator, who, of course, is now the head coach of Maryland. It sure seems like he's just going to jump ship to Maryland. Uh, not to say, you know, this is going to ruin the Alabama program by any means, but it is a loss when you're talking about a player of this caliber just a week before training camp. You, you never want to lose a, a pass rusher with this much potential. Yeah, man, this is, I mean, this is, I think pretty big news, you know. For instance, I mean, he, hell, he's sitting beside Anthony Jennings and didn't even play in the spring game. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is immediate depth. This is a guy that could step in and probably was going to see a lot of playing time this year. So, uh, yeah, the rumors are he's going up to Maryland and probably get immediate eligibility because he's got family up that way. So, I don't know. He's in D.C. now, they said. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, it's not going to kill him. I'm sure they got 
probably two more five stars to take his place. But uh, you know, you just... but they said this. They said this guy was a special talent. You know, he was raw. He didn't develop like he should have last year, I think. And but if he ever does turn that, you know, I mean, he really could be somebody special. And and he just ain't going to do it at the crimson uniform on. Yeah, and I, I'm not trying to put salt into the wound here, but I do recall al.com i'm not sure the writer but this time last year in training camp he quoted an alabama staffer saying uh, this is the next Derek thomas who i mean obviously an nfl hall of famer played at alabama so they clearly had a high opinion of him down there in tuscaloosa but um you know oh well you move on to the yeah. next five star down there yeah next reload <laughs> And Shane, also on Alabama, we wanted to get to Nick Saban's comments. We did not catch these originally, but this was also during his recent ESPN car wash when he was on the Golic and Wingo show, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. But he was asked about the schedule, specifically the non-conference schedule. I know Alabama's taken a lot of heat this offseason, and he didn't mention Colin Coward's name in this in this clip, but... Coward did kind of come out and really bury Saban on Alabama's schedule, their non-conference schedule, I should say, for this upcoming season. And um, I thought this was pretty interesting, what Nick Saban had to say during his appearance on Golick and Wingo. Football landscape over the last few weeks, a lot of conversation about scheduling. It always comes up. How do you balance when you play in a particularly tough conference in the SEC? How do you balance your out-of-conference schedule to make sure that it is tough enough? I think the culture of college football would benefit if we said Power 5 teams have to play all Power 5 teams. I've been an advocate of this for several years. I've been an advocate of play more SEC games. Well, I think you should do it like basketball. They have RPI or whatever it's called in basketball that says these are the teams that played the best schedule and won the biggest games. All right, so that's how you qualify for a bowl game, not not how many games you win. So that it would be better for fans. It would be better for fan interest. You know, do players really want to play games against, you know, Division two schools that are the only people that you can get to play you? Um, so we've tried to schedule two opponents power five opponents every year we have one time in the next 10 years where we've succeeded at doing that all right because we can't get to games so unless we change the culture of how we all agree to schedule i don't think that's going to happen and i know our fans don't want to come and see some of the and one of the reasons that we played all these neutral site games is it's the only way we could get a quality opponent and if you are in a conference where your natural robbery is out of your conference like Georgia plays Georgia Tech every year. So they got to get one more game, and they've got 10 Power 5 schools. Our two natural rivalries are in our league, so we don't have one of those. So we have to get two teams to play us every year. And we've done a pretty good job of that for the most part. Um, you know, people look at this year's schedule and say, why are they not playing more of out-of-conference schools that are really highly ranked? Well, we tried is all I can tell you. We try, and we try every year. All right, Shane. So, you know, it's easy to look at it like how Coward did because the schedule is really weak. But then if you flip around, and it's true, Nick Saban has always been a proponent of these, you know, a nine-game SEC schedule. He's been on record many times saying Power 5 schools should only play other Power 5 schools to make the schedule, you know, better all the way around. 
Um, and then when he kind of comes out here and says, you know, no one's willing to play us, I thought that was pretty eye-opening. Do you believe it, though? I do, because I mean, who and- who wants to get their ass kicked by Alabama and just, I mean, they're, you know, there's been years like USC and Florida State. I mean, these are huge marquee games. Week one, playing Alabama. And what happens? These schools get just destroyed, and it's just like their season is just in turmoil after it. So I think people see this, and they're just like, why in the hell do we want to go up against this Alabama machine, lose by 50 points, and then, uh, you know, we're paying for it for a month? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's just do their non-conference. you got Duke, New Mexico State, mm-hmm. Southern Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Western Carolina. Western Carolina. <laughs> okay, so, okay, these are our opponents. But you're telling me, other than Duke, there's not another team in a Power 5 conference willing to take that money? I it just, I, I'm not buying it, Mike. Well, a lot of the Power 5 teams in particular, they do not want to give up home games. They want you know, a home and home in return. And let's just throw out a team like, say, Kansas. I mean, Alabama's not going to play at Kansas. I don't I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> that'd be great for Kansas, but it would do nothing for Alabama, yep. you know. So, and I think, I think there might, there might be some truth to what Saban's saying here. And, and here's my evidence of that, Shane. During the offseason, you know, Alabama and USF, South Florida, announced a new three-game series, and Alabama has to play at USF. And, you know, that was pretty eye-opening at the time, but now that I've heard these comments, I think that's kind of what Alabama has to do in order to get USF to come to them twice. Yeah, you know, I, maybe you're I, right. I would never imagine, you know, unless it's just a straight home-for-home, home, which they're doing with – uh, Notre Dame and Texas and uh, several others. So I don't know. Unless they're getting a team, like I don't think they can. Kansas would do a home and home f- with them. You know, the, I'm just using them as an yeah. example. But I'm just not sure. Playing Western Carolina and playing Kansas is probably the same to an Alabama fan <laughs> when you're yeah. talking about a home game that's that's worth watching. You know. That's true, man. That's true. I didn't. I mean, when you look at stuff like that, you, you may be right. Maybe it is. He's he's not being well, – I mean, could you imagine being so dominant that nobody wants to even play? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if, if Tennessee called Ohio State right now and said, hey, you interested in a home-and-home, home, they'd probably jump all over that right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But Bama, they got to do a three for uh, – a two for, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's just crazy to me. Crazy. But – He's right, so maybe that's why he's pushing so hard on these nine-game, you know, SEC conference games. You know what I'm saying? Right, because I, his point, and I, I've seen some people criticize him and, and say, well, why does college football have to change? He can just do it. I mean, they're living in a – I don't know what reality if they think Alabama's just going to start scheduling nine SEC games and all power fives and then Georgia mm-hmm. and LSU don't have to do it. Like, he, like he's not, yeah. not going to hurt his school. He just he just wants to see everybody do it, which I understand the pros and cons of it. I think it would make probably for a better product, but at the same time, you're asking a lot of these kids, particularly Alabama, you know, when they're going to the SEC championship and two playoff games, you're talking, you know, 15 games all against Power Fives. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not sold that it's you know safe for them to even be doing that. You know. 
No, and he's not a big fan of the neutral sites. You know, a lot of a lot of teams will commit to a neutral site game, but mm-hmm. that's not fair to the fans. No, and the big reason why they're doing it, Shane, money. So Duke and Alabama, they're going to make each four and a half million dollars for this upcoming neutral site game. <laughs> that's why Duke signed up to take a beating by Alabama. They have four and a half million dollars is uh, that's going to come in handy for their budget. Okay, Cliff, he ain't a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's getting a little cut off that one. Oh, I'm sure. All right, Shane, let's all jump down to Columbia, South Carolina. This is not official news yet, so we're not saying it's happened, but it certainly looks like it is because the Gamecocks, if you've seen it, Shane, there's a viral photo going around. The Gamecocks have a locker for Tavian Feaster, the Clemson graduate transfer running back who... We all know South Carolina, and I think his other option was Virginia Tech, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, people are reading this into the fact that South Carolina has already accepted him and made him a locker. I don't know if that's 100% what's going on here, but that's what people down in Columbia are jumping to that conclusion. I don't, I don't know if it's possible if they're allowed to just build him a locker for recruiting purposes. Maybe that's what was going on. But um, if the Gamecocks get Feaster, Shane, I mean, this is a guy with over 1,300 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns during his career, two national championships. Uh, I think this is the Gamecock starting running back if he signs up to be a Gamecock. Yeah, I mean, what, he's a he's a grad transfer, right? Is he a senior or a junior? Senior, so he's got one year, and yeah, he'll be able to play right away. Yeah, no, I would be kind of surprised, though, because everything I was reading, it sounded like, I mean, Virginia Tech two days ago thought that they had him. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll see how see how this one plays out but no that'd be a huge get for south carolina for sure i guess we just need to know now shane does virginia tech have a locker filled out for feaster because (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they do man they played entered sandman as soon as he walked in (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know what to make of that like i said we're not reporting anything there we're just i don't know i've reached out to somebody that would know and, and they said they don't know either so uh, not and you know this this cat was the I think he was ranked number one all-purpose back coming out mm-hmm. you know top 25 recruit this isn't just anybody this is a this is a freaking stud so yeah I'd love to have him on my team yeah and we know you know South Carolina's had issues running the ball and under Will Muschamp this is uh, this is a guy whether he starts or not he's going to be an instant instant impact player for the Gamecocks if he plays the South Carolina I think yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. You know, I don't want to get deep into recruiting talks, particularly this time of year, because it just seems like so many guys commit, and then it doesn't even – I mean, we just talked about a damn guy who committed, but he's 100% open. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure what these commitments mean right now, but I do want to make one point here, because LSU on Friday landed a commitment from Jacqueline Roy, who is the number one recruit in the state of Louisiana – the number five defensive tackle. They landed him over Alabama and Texas A&M, two of their you know key rivals there in the West. But why I really wanted to bring this up, Shane, LSU now has three of the top four Louisiana kids committed. And this is, uh, I believe, last year. I want to say they got eight out of ten. We know they you know missed a big one there in Saucier when he committed to Alabama, signed with Alabama. But you know that was a big miss. But uh, but Beyond that, I mean, they're hitting all their targets Louisiana, 
And this mm-hmm. is something that Ed Orgeron, when he was hired, you know, aside from fixing the offense, which they've still not done in the regular season, but fixing the offense and locking down the state were his two big things he promised to do. And, I mean, we got to give Coach O a ton of credit for uh, locking down the state uh, under his leadership. Are you sure it's just three of the top four? I mean, I'm looking at 24-7 here, and it says five out of the top six. Well, there you go. You know they may have landed even some more guys, but I mean, <laughs> that's even better. There you go. Five out of the top six. And the other one, I believe, is just uncommitted. It's not like he's committed to Alabama or Georgia or anything like that. So, hell, Shane, they could go six out of six before long. But um, That's huge, man. I mean, that that's the part of that job. You know, when you're an LSU coach, it's different than other states and other universities. You know, when you're an LSU coach, those boys grow up only watching one team, Mm -hmm. and that's you. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot more pressure keeping those in-state guys. It's a lot easier to do. But, you know, if you've got a struggling team or a coaching change, which a couple things they've faced in the past and pressure at Coach Joe's job status, I mean, the fact he's walking away right now with five of the top six recruits out of uh, Louisiana is huge, man. Got to protect them borders. Yeah, and I mean, in the SEC, Shane, this side, the recruiting can, can go sideways on you in a hurry if you don't stay on top mm-hmm. of it. And I know LSU lost Austin Thomas, their, their you know, director of recruiting there. A little, I believe it was right when Jeremy Pruitt got hired because they hired him on at Tennessee for about 12 hours, and now he's down at <laughs> Texas A&M, swooped him up. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, they, they were able to lose that guy but still maintain – you know, a, a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. So I just wanted to point that out. You know, so, yeah, I know Coach O's kind of, I don't know if you want to say saved his job because I don't know if he was ever really in risk of losing it, but uh, just they continue to take steps in the right direction there, and, and and that's just kind of what I wanted to point out there. Yeah, I think he has, man. I mean, there was a lot of talk that first year, his first full year, that he was just a an interim, you know, that it was just – the end of the season, we're going to get the best coaches out there. And he's kind of backdoored his way into this. And I'll tell you what, the, the fans love him. You know, I'm sure there's a few that, you know, don't. And it's probably just, you know, probably some, I don't know, Coach Miles, you know, something like that. <laughs> you know, maybe they're just holding a little grudge. But it just seems like everything I'm hearing from LSU, LSU fans, they love the direction of this university. And and uh, and it all starts with recruiting, man. And He's locking down them borders. Well, Shane, I don't know if you remember this, but the guy that LSU wanted, and apparently, you know, at the 11th hour, it didn't happen. Do you remember the coach who that was going to be at LSU? They get uh, they get to play him this year is, is why I'm breaking Oh, up. Jimbo? No, sir. It's Tom Herman who – Oh, at the yeah, last, that's right, that's right. The last minute, I think he asked for more money or something. I, I think that's the story. And then uh, Joe Oliva said, to hell with you, I got a, I got my coach. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> <laughs> then he gave it to Coach O, who was driving down the street in a Hummer. So, hell shit. Now, they, these boys meet this year, right? Exa- yeah, exactly. Week two in Texas. So, I mean, this could be like the ultimate revenge game here for Coach O, because if Tom Herman – if he didn't kind of pull those shenanigans, he's probably LSU's coach right now. So yep. Coach O's got, uh, you know, something on the line for this game to kind of show everybody, you know, 
I may have not been the first choice, but I was the right choice. And Texas picking up a lot of hype, man. This can, that'd be a hell of a game. Yes, sir. All right, Shay, let's jump on down to Knoxville. Tennessee, we got some comments here for Tennessee. I thought, uh, you know, we were talking about Coach, Coach Cliff just a moment ago here, but during his appearance at ACC Media Days, I thought you would appreciate these comments, Shane, but he was asked about uh, Philip Fulmer, the AD down there in Knoxville, and just, you know, leadership that he learned from Fulmer, and uh, I thought it was very interesting what he said about Tennessee and, and Coach Fulmer. Philip is a great organizer. Um, he, he has the ability to emphasize things and then make them happen. When he took the job over as a head coach, I told him tonight, I'll never forget you saying that we're going to go to another level, but he talked about how to do it. So Philip is a doer. And when he's going to be in charge of Tennessee athletics, you're going to see things move forward. Uh, they better try to hang on to him as long as they can. That would be my advice. All right, Shane. So this, I mean, Cutcliffe's one of the sharpest guys in all of college football. <laughs> uh, we know he's close to Philip Fulmer, but I think these comments, uh, you know, this should give you plenty of optimism moving forward. Yeah, no, I love it, dude. And, you know, the fact that Fulmer got that job blows my mind. And I, I honestly, I think that it got to a point where they said, we got to do something or these fans are going to go, they're going to burn this damn place down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what better? I mean, I, I really do. I think it was a safety hire, a PR hire is all this was. Mm -hmm. And they're and they're finding out that this is exactly what the university needed. They needed a football-minded coach, somebody that's used to winning championships or at least competing for them. And, you know, he's football-driven, and uh, he's just a great businessman when it comes to sports. So, I think this is a wonderful hire, and I do, I do hope that he's able to stick around for a long time. Now, another reason I wanted to discuss this, Shane, because, you know, all the other SEC fans have heard this time and time again. Uh, you know, there was momentum, I guess if you want to call it that, with Lane Kiffin, although it was, that was very, mm -hmm. very brief. Uh, even Derek Dooley, who I think we all knew when he was hired uh, – we were scratching our heads wondering what the hell. But going into his, what was it, his third season, fourth season, I mean, it looked like they were pointing in the right direction. They were get, they getting Florida at home. Had they won that game, who knows, you know, what could have happened there. Uh, Butch Jones had it going for a while, and now obviously Jeremy Pruitt. So I understand why people look at Tennessee and say, oh, God, these people think they're going to be good <laughs> again every, every two to three years, it seems, you know, four years, what have you. But this, in my mind, is what makes it different, is you actually have a competent person at the top who understands SEC football, understands what the program needs, understands what the coaches need. And yeah. I don't think he said no to anything based on uh, everything I've heard. When Jeremy Pruitt asked for something, Philip Fulmer gives it to him. Yeah, man. It just it feels like we really do have a foundation for once, you know? Like, when, when Lane came in, we expected just something different. And we got it. And it felt like, I mean, the fans were buying in, and then he leaves. Dooley was an impulse buy, you know. <laughs> and then you got Butch Jones. Kind of the same thing. Just people making these decisions that really didn't know what they were getting into. And Butch Jones came in and did some good things, but it was a hollow team. Like, 
you know, you saw what was up front. You didn't see what was in the middle, you know? So it just feels like with this regime, with Fulmer, with, you know, with Pruitt getting everything he needs to establish a, a, like a legit football team, somebody that can compete in the SEC, it starts at the bottom and it feels like that's the way we're working. You know, we, we spend the most money for a strength and conditioning coach. You know, when we need a new locker room, we build it, you know. LSU, I'm telling you right now, they're they're bragging about LSU's locker room. Mm-hmm. Give it a year. Tennessee will have one just as nice because that's just how how important football is to, to this university. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Cutcliffe said it there, man. If they want to get back, they'll, they'll keep Fulmer as long as they can. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump to Lexington, where we just got a quick note here for the Wildcats. Freshman quarterback Nick Scalzo, I guess is how you say that, uh, He's cl- he was cleared recently to return to the field for training camp. And uh, this is a true freshman quarterback who was down – he's from Florida. You know, it's a pretty good re- prospect here. He's a three-star, but uh, I believe he won a state championship down there in Florida, which – Tells you a lot about, uh, you know, the program and, and how he was doing it there in high school. But he tore his ACL his senior year as well, and now he's cleared to return. And why that's so big in my mind, Shane, is because without this guy, Kentucky would have been down to three scholarship quarterbacks for training camp. And yeah. we know Terry Wilson, you know, he's he's a runner. He got hurt last year. Not saying he's injury prone by any means, but he did get hurt last year. One of their other quarterbacks is a graduate transfer from Troy who, you know, it sounds like he was good at Troy, but being good at Troy and being good in the SEC is something else. So um, I just think it was very important that the Wildcats get this guy on the field, have some depth at quarterback because, I mean, God forbid you you do have to go to your fourth-string quarterback. Hopefully that never happens, but, you know, you, get, you at least got to have that option available to you. <laughs> Dude, that's where we're at, Mike, talking third-string quarterbacks <laughs> on Kentucky, you know. <laughs> we need more than Florida to be practicing right now. But uh, uh, this is good. This is good. I still hate that Gunner left, you know. I mean, he'd be – they'd be perfect up there in the quarterback room. But, I don't know, chasing waterfalls. What's he doing up there in Ohio State? You heard anything about that? Uh, is he third-string up there? <laughs> I think he's going to be the backup with Ohio State, which is exactly what he's been at of Kentucky, so I'm not really sure yeah. what was the point of that. But, uh, hey, maybe he beats Justin Fields out. I, do, I don't think so. But maybe Justin Fields will have a bad week of practice and he'll he'll quit and transfer somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Head out west. All right, Shane, that's all the news we have. It's kind of a slower weekend here. We want to make sure we – get you guys a pod here on Monday, but before we jump off here, I thought it would be kind of interesting if we just just wanted to get your thoughts, Shane, on picking, you know, a game or two that you could see being the biggest upset of next season in the SEC, and I wanted to limit this to games where the point spread is currently at seven or more, because otherwise, you know, if we're just picking a one or two point spread game, it's not really that big of an upset. Uh, so I've got two on my mind. Do you have any, or do you want me to go first? How do you want to do this? Yeah, let's go back and forth. I'll let you go first. So you're saying you, because I have one picked out, but it's a, just a three-point spread. Mm. And I think you know exactly who that is, and this should not be a surprise. 
And in fact, you know what, Mike, I'll just go first. I'm going first one week, uh, August 31st, when the Auburn Tigers face the Oregon Ducks. I think we're going to see our first upset. And uh, War Damn Eagle going to get beat. And Gus is going to be placed right on that hot seat. Mm. Well, Shane, I think that's the hundredth time you've kicked Gus out the Gus bus on this podcast this offseason. <laughs> But I'm actually going the exact opposite. I'm circling that October 5th game, Auburn at Florida. Florida's currently a touchdown favorite. I think Auburn's going to pull the up outright upset right there. Oh, okay. And I think the biggest key to this game, this is one that I'm not sure why it's not being talked about more. I guess people are just penciling it in for an automatic Gators victory. But I think the biggest mismatch in this game is going to be Auburn's defensive line going up against Florida's offensive line, I don't, I don't think the Gators are going to have any answer for that unit. And I think that's going to cause problems all day. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen and uh, Gus Malzahn have had tons of battles over the years, so they are very familiar with each other. I do expect this to be a really good game. I'm not, by no means am I claiming Auburn's just going to go in there and, and destroy the Gators by any means, but I really think this is a good game, and uh, I think – Auburn is going to pull the upset, outright upset here in Gainesville on October 5th. Mm, not, not a shocker, Mike, because you hate the Gators. So, you know, I could see I could see that coming out. <laughs> Do you know that Auburn, that Auburn-Oregon game, is the only time that they are favored in any of these point spread games? I mean, like, it, Vegas does not like Auburn. So, no, but just that's, pointing out the obvious. Those are the years when Auburn goes to the – you know, SEC championship game when everyone's down on them. When everyone's yeah, singing their praises, that's when they win four games. <laughs> yeah. Well, you saw, man. I've been playing some of them miracle plays. Yep. You know, they're going to need a few of those, I think. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, this next one, man, is going to catch you off guard, but it's a big, big upset. And I'm going the very last one, November 30th. I've got South Carolina upsetting the Clemson Tigers. 23-point spread. I just think after uh, Clemson runs through their juggernaut schedule, Mm -hmm. they're going to catch South Carolina at the worst time. And I just think this team is too balanced. They played them too close last year, and I think they're better. I think Clemson's worse. And it's at South Carolina. I just – I don't know, man. I like it. And you saw that. You saw crazy eyes talking up there at media days. He does not like Clemson, so he is holding something back for them. How great would it be, Shane, if uh, Taven Feaster scores the game-winning touchdown for the Gamecocks over his old team, the Clemson Tigers? Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. Hey, listen to this. Uh, I was looking at their schedule, Clemson's schedule. Mm -hmm. So this is when they're going to catch South Carolina, okay, This, this juggernaut schedule. We got, I'm going to start halfway through, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, not to be confused with Ohio State, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, not Georgia, and then South Carolina. So they're going to play all these cupcake teams, and then all of a sudden they're going to hit this buzzsaw of South Carolina that has been playing top five teams for the last seven, eight weeks. They're going to be used to a high-caliber team. And, and maybe they don't come out all the time, but I think they're going to be ready. There's going to be a, a special little chip on their shoulder when Clemson comes in. I can see it now, Shane. You know all these bullshit talking points that, for some reason, all these shows love to cover. But 
You know, Clemson, I could see them being number one for most of the year. They're undefeated. They've locked up their division in the ACC. And, and all week they'll be like, should Trevor Lawrence sit out the South Carolina game? <laughs> ESPN FPI says if Clemson loses to South Carolina, they're still 95% going to make the college football playoff. I mean, it'll be a week of this bullshit talk. And, yeah. you know, that's going to get hurt in Columbia. Like, my God, they're saying they don't even have to play the starting quarterback and the, the, they'll still go to the playoff. Like, let's go whip their ass. I could see that, and that'll play right into Cousin Shane's prediction here. Absolutely, Mike. And how can, honestly, how can a one-loss Clemson team be in a playoff conversation? They have to win out. You know what I'm saying? Because they got Wolf. They beat Wolford by 70. They're the weakest Power 5 conference out there. And, I mean, I, I mentioned all those, but you've also got Florida State, North Carolina, Charlotte, Syracuse. Texas A&M's one of their toughest match, and Georgia Tech. Their two, their two toughest games are SEC opponents. Exactly, and not even the best. And no offense, guys. I mean, this isn't Alabama, Georgia on here. You know what I'm saying? And they're saying, "Oh, look, we we scheduled two uh, SEC teams." Yeah, but you did. I don't see Alabama on there. I don't see Georgia or LSU on there. Or te- you didn't Jeez. say Tennessee. No, you know who I see? <laughs> I see South Carolina upsetting you and. Uh, and, and the demise of Dabo. It's going to be awesome. And then they're going to get left out. All right, Shane, after that uh, long one, I'm going with my second upset of the year. November 16th, Shane, I think this is going to be the only game that Georgia loses in the regular season. Uh-oh. Georgia favored by a touchdown over Auburn on the plane, Shane. I'm oh, high on the Tigers. Maybe I'm just high on something else. But yeah. I think Auburn – you know, we've seen how tough they could play Georgia at home. Something about Jordan Hare, Shane. I do not know what happens when the Georgia Bulldogs go in there, but Auburn comes out with a win on November 16th. That's my pick. That's a crazy pick, Mark. There's no way. There's no way. You're going to be fired by November. <laughs> Who's going to be coaching down there? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Kevin Steele, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll be a head coach for a little while, but then uh, he's out of there. He's got, he's got to pull a coach I O. I I just I don't I don't see all the hype. Um, I mean I I get it. the The defensive line mm-hmm. is legit. Mm-hmm. Those those boys can play, but there's just so many uh, other uncertainties, and especially at coaching that I just I I just don't know how you you're just getting on board with these guys, but. Uh, well, I mean, we're going to find out soon, you know, one of, I got one of them losing week one, you've got them beating the second or who depends on who you ask best ranked team in the nation. So mm-hmm. we're going to find out real quick, Mike. All right, Shane, that's all I got on this one. We got anything before we hop off here? Yeah, but I got a couple of reviews. Thank you for being a friend. First one comes from uh, our boy, Fud63. Remember this? He was uh, he gave us four stars because of quality. He's, he's reversed it. He said, excellent audio quality. So he went to the booth. The officials have overturned the call on the field. He says, five-star, great podcast with excellent audio quality. 
Mike is always a little tough on my gators. Oh, shit, Mike. We're down to one star after you, he heard you predicting them upsets. But that's probably because our fan base is terrible. LL, I don't think they're terrible. They're just passionate. Keep up the great work, and thanks for fixing the audio quality. Go Gators. And uh, I appreciate you, Fud, man. And just ignore the, the last 10 minutes of this podcast if possible. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for your uh, update, and thanks for calling us out on the audio. I mean, like I said originally when you put that out there, we don't really know to improve it unless we get some feedback like that. So we definitely listen to what you guys have to say. We want to deliver you the best SEC podcast we can. We work hard to do it. So uh, hopefully this latest one lives up to that standard as well. Absolutely. All right, we just hope this one posts, Mike, because we switched our <laughs> providers. So it may just be you and me listening to this thing tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Shay, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls.